CIO Talk Radio is brought to you by HP and Siemens Smart Grid. Welcome to CIO Talk Radio with your host, Sunjog All. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are strictly those of the host, guests, and callers. Now, here's Sunjog All. Good morning and welcome to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. And as always, we invite you to join the discussion on Twitter, hashtag CTRLive, and look for this show as hashtag data. Today's topic is the Chief Data Officer Playbook, and our guests for today's show are Dr. Eugene Kolker, who is the CDO and Head of Bioinformatics and High Throughput Analysis Laboratory at Seattle's Children's Hospital. And he's also the co-founder of DELSA, D-E-L-S-A, the Data-Enabled Life Sciences Alliance. Uh, how are you, uh, Dr. Eugene? Hello, I'm fine. How are you? Good. So life is treating you good? Yes. Uh, can I make minor comment? Um, my title is a little bit off, if that's okay. Sure, please share and, and correct for us. So I am Chief Data Officer for Seattle Children's Enterprise, which consists of Hospital Research Institute and Foundation. And okay. I am Head of Bioinformatics and High Throughput Analysis Lab at Seattle Children's Research Institute. Okay, great. So that's even, it means that you've got even more responsibility, so a bigger paycheck for you. Right. Uh, I'm not sure about the latter one. The first one is correct. <laughs> All right. Great. Uh, good to have you. And we also have Mario Faria, who is the data strategy advisor, Boa Vista, and also the big data advisor for the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. He's a member of DEMA and the MIT Data Science Initiative. Good morning, Mario. How are you? Good morning. Thank you. Nice to talk to you again. Yes, and the pleasure is all mine. So looking forward to a great conversation. Welcome to this show. Now, before we get started, we have a, uh, an announcement. This morning marks the start of a new contest series of our CIO Talk Radio Summer of Reading. Every two weeks through the end of summer, CIO Talk Radio will be giving away a book to a lucky listener. And to kick off the series, we are giving away the, the book. The name is The Case of the Chief Data Officer Recasting the C-Suite to Leverage Your Most Valuable Asset by Dr. Peter Aiken and Michael Gurman. It looks at the three pillars of a CDO's job to help an organization's data achieve its full value. So it's very appropriate for today's show, in fact. You can join our mailing list and visit our website for more information and to enter. By the way, a few weeks back, we actually took CIO Talk Radio on the road and did a live show on CDOs and how we will go about defining their role and debating the need for this role. But the next logical step was to take that conversation to the next level and ask, what should the CDO do now that we have one in an, in an organization? And how does the CDO really make a difference and move the needle in his or her first few months or a year on the job? So with that said, uh, Eugene, I'll, I'll start with you. When we are looking at a CDO, and the one basic question comes is, who should the CDO report to? And if you go, you're going to have different perceptions of this role in different organizations, would you say there is one common definition that organizations have come to realize should be used in order to determine what their responsibility should be, what their reporting relationship should be? Mm, that's a great question. Um, I think with regard to, you know, who uh, CDO should report to, 
um, it really depends on the industry and uh, who are you know major uh, stakeholders in that specific enterprise and uh, strategically who are uh, enterprise customers in our case um, and our case is kind of guinea pig we started six and a half years ago to our knowledge that was first CDO position in healthcare. Um, my reporting is directly to President of Research, Dr. Jim Hendricks, and to Global CEO, um, Dr. Tom Hansen. Uh, but we were uh, writing this book more or less uh, from the scratch. Uh, my, for example, job description was um, um, consulted by uh, web, I would put it this way, uh, of uh, job description we were able to find back then of Yahoo CDO and Capital One. Um, so uh, that's basically uh, our starting point. Nowadays, you have much more CDO positions uh, in, in many different industries, so it's uh, easier to consult with specific industry. Um, I can give you example of Yahoo CDO story, um, that uh, this person started as uh, um, reporting to chief information officer on VP level and also were responsible for Yahoo Research Labs, then became, kind of grew up and became um, larger, uh, you know, high responsibilities were taken for this individual. And then at some point, uh, CIO was reporting to Yahoo CDO. It ended uh, at some point. Uh, that position is, to my knowledge, no longer at Yahoo. But I think it depends on uh, different industries and customers. Um, it looks like uh, in some, for example, in legal area, what I heard from colleagues, sometimes people uh, combine positions of CDO with a chief um, analytics officer or um, alike. Okay, so I don't think there is one um, size fits all kind of approach. So with that said, Mario, if you were to look at the way the world is moving and the way CDO is getting uh, introduced to the organization, Eugene, thank you so much for uh, sharing some of the background and how your organization became a guinea pig and you tried different ways to see what, where they could add most value. Mario, do you think all the lessons that have been learned so far can we realistically come to a conclusion which will allow us to appropriately position this this role in an organization so that we are proactive uh, in terms of removing any roadblocks from the get-go? Yes, absolutely. As you might know, this term CDO is quite new in the market. And the business of this position so far is that we are creating a new uh, ways to explore the benefits of this position. So for my uh, opinion, a CDO is someone who manages a services organization, a shared services organization inside a company. So the CDO is responsible at the end of the day to bring data quality, to monetize on data, to make sure that data is being used as a strategic and economic asset for the organization. So we're still uh, creating the job descriptions, and on my job at Boa Vista, which is a, an Equifax joint venture, I was so glad because I was responsible for writing my job description. So, and I've seen a lot of organizations here uh, in the United States as well, that they want to have someone 
but they are not sure how to bring that person. They know that they have a problem. They know that they want to use the most uh, of their data, but they don't know how to do that. So I have seen so far CDOs reporting to CEOs, to COOs, or to people with marketing or the supply chain. The most important thing is that you have to bear in mind, a CDO should not be reporting to CIO. This is not a technology function. This is a, it is more like a business function uh, inside the organization. Why? Because IT does not feel the pain because of poor data quality. So if you were really serious about data and about data management and analytics, and you want to bring a CDO, please make that person be reporting to the line of Okay, so with that said, this is an interesting uh, comment that you made, Mario. Eugene, coming back to you. So as per Mario, the person should not report to a CIO. If they were to report to a CEO, they will find it to be too tactical. CEO, CFO, of course, don't make, uh, you know, they're, they're not relevant to this role. If you were to say you're going to report to the line of business, imagine how many bosses you can have with each particular organization, which is a business unit perhaps, have their own leaders needing, uh, having their own needs to manage data, and then CDO is, is getting torn apart because everybody would like to get their job done first. Do you think that's realistic for, for anyone to come in and have five bosses who are going to pull their own weight to get this person to deliver with their team what they want? Um, yeah, so I, I think... Um, I feel uh, Mario Payne, and I would second his take on not reporting to CIO uh, primarily because it's different culture. Um, I work with my CIO just fine. Um, I work with previous CIO. It, it's great relationship, you know, but it's different culture and different approaches. And I think Mario is, uh, you know, 200% right. It's not about technology. It's about people and it's about business. So at, at some point in my, uh, uh, you know, first couple years, uh, I did have not five bosses, but three bosses. That was uh, extremely unhealthy. Uh, now I have one direct reporting to um, Dr. Hendricks uh, and indirect to CEO, uh, Global CEO. And that's actually helping um, a lot. I would say in ideal case, because these positions are new, um, and institution enterprise should take them very, very seriously. In ideal case, CDO should report to the top of the command. CEO would be ideal case. But do you think CEO will take it as strategic or they will say, okay, fine, you got to handle data, go ahead and deal with that data, but it's not really coming uh, as close to the overall strategic enterprise oversight that uh, a CEO has, and, and they, will, they may find it to be too tactical. Do you think that's the case, or this is just a myth? Um, so I think it depends on institutions. Why would you start CDO position, right, uh, these days, and not think about this strategically? You know, unless you're doing and using, like Maria said, utilizing data as strategic enterprise-usual asset, right? Unless you're doing that and try to monetize it, of course, properly, unless you're doing that strategically, you're not going to gain anything within very short tactical time frame. There is no way. So because it's about people, about business, about change of uh, culture, tradition sometimes, myth as well. 
So I think, you know, the closer to the very top, the higher chances this um, position going to be successful. Great. So, yeah, go ahead, Mario, you have a comment? Yeah, I do. Yeah, and that's the point, Sanjuk. You should avoid, if you are a CDO, you've just been promoted or just been hired to a new organization, you should avoid this trap of being considered a tactical position. That's not your job. And if the company pushes you to be tactical, so there's a problem of your expectations or how the company is seeing that data is being used. In my point of view, that's one of the mistakes IT has committed for the last uh, 10 years. It's been considered a tactical position, which is not. I've seen what I call the three architectures inside any company. You have the business architecture, which are composed by the, your rules, your go-to-market strategy, your organization structure. You see your technology architecture if you're going to use a cloud uh, uh, infrastructure, what kind of service are you going to be using, what kind of technology you're going to support your business. And I've seen the data architecture, which is the field that will support the business and also the, uh, the technology. So do not uh, go to this trap and put yourself on a tactical position. You are not. The more strategic you are, the more you understand uh, the business, the better you work with your CIO, the more successful you will be. All right. So, Mario, a follow-up question I have for you. Suppose now we get onboarded uh, on, on this, uh, based on this role and we are just about to get started. Like any leadership position, initially you've got to come and listen. You've got to watch. And you've got to sense and read between the lines to see what is going on. If you are doing all of that, what is it that you should be listening for? What is it that you should be doing in terms of gauging the organization's receptivity levels to see if they are actually ready to embrace the change just because a top boss or a business unit leader championed a role like a CDO into an organization? That doesn't mean you will have everything and all, all people, all gung-ho to invite you with open arms and help you become successful. So what is it that you're listening to uh, or listening for in order to know how you're going to set the stage and your strategy going forward in order for you to be successful? But do not yet uh, you know, start your uh, response here because we will take a quick break. Let's come back and explore this further. Please stay tuned and listen. Take a look around. Is anyone in your office listening to music on a boombox? <laughs> Probably not, because you stream radio through the cloud like a normal, well-adjusted person living in the 21st century. Know what else you can get through the cloud? Your business phone system. Yeah, switch to cloud-based Ring Central. Run your entire business phone system online and use it with your smartphone and tablet for as little as $19.99 a month per user. And then you can put that old PBX in the junk pile next to the boombox. Ring Central, phone systems reimagined. Sign up for a free trial at ringcentral.com. The U.S. and Canada represent just 5% of the global population, but collectively we consume about 35% of the world's resources. Supply is not keeping up with demand, so change is not an option, it's imperative. Siemens brings knowledge to power through modernization, responsible energy consumption, and greening the grid projects. Siemens Smart Grid has the answers. Just Google Lead the Charge Portal. HP is proud to sponsor this program. Tap into our expertise, innovation, and services to bring your most important workloads to the cloud.
You are listening to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Here's Sunjog All. Welcome back. So, Mario... Coming into an organization, what do you listen for? What do you read between the lines? What are you going to watch so that you get a good understanding and see if these people are really ready to make the most of this new role? Okay, I think it starts prior during your interviews, even if you are promoted from within or if you're bringing from outside. So before you make a, a, a decision, try to understand what uh, and where you're uh, getting into because you will find resistance. You can expect a lot of ambiguity inside the, comp- the companies. A lot of people are not going to be happy with you because you're there to break some silos. You're there to streamline some operations. You're there to do something that has never done before. So on the first 100 days on the job, my recommendation is try to listen to the hidden signs. Try to get to know as many people as you can. Try to understand from the business leaders what are their pains, what they did not able to achieve, and write your plan in a sense that you can have small conquers at, on every week, on, on every day, you can deliver something but do not uh, forget your long-term goal. So my, my point on that is that if you are a CDO, one of the skills that you might have is resilience. You might be a resilient guy because if you, you are there because you are seen as an agent of change. And change really, really hurts. And... Uh, I, I, I faced that uh, on, on my, my, my previous job. It was a, a very interesting experience, and it took for some uh, parts of the company at least six months for them to understand what my role or the role of my team uh, uh, were. And as we got closer, as we delivered something, as we're helping to bring results that reflect on our bottom line, which is more revenue and increased profitability, the more respectable we got uh, from uh, the other people. See, uh, Mario, your, your response is great. However, I'd like to get some more clarity and get to the specifics. So, because you, your response could be utilized for someone who is any leader who comes into an organization and they know that there might be some resistance. So if you were to go to specifics for a CDO, what is it that you would, when listening to, you will figure out that this individual or this group is not as ready to accept data-related change, or they're the ones who are uh, ready to champion you within the organization. And especially the reason I'm asking this question to get to a granular level is because at the top People can, of course, have the you know ready ways of figuring out what what is going wrong or right. But then people who are coming in, they may hear certain things and they can perhaps map it back to whether it's going in the right direction or not. So, what would those specific statements that people may make? What was those specific uh, settings that people will create, which could set you up for success or failure? 
Mm-hmm. You're absolutely right on that. What I've told you is something that any leader has to do. And you're the data leader. And what you're going to be doing and apply those things, however, use your best knowledge, which is the data knowledge, the technology knowledge, the communications knowledge, and, and also your ability to use data to bring uh, business results. So try to, act, to access what you have. Try to understand what data you have inside, what, how they, this data is being used, how this data can be used in, in, in the times to come. So it's better for you to access the data, better to you to access the skills of the team that you're going to be managing. Try to map the level of how data is being used in your organization. Some companies are very uh, data-driven and they have a very strong maturity. Some companies are not. So you have to apply all those knowledge that I've told you to bring your organization to a, a, a maturity level where data is going to be used on every day, on every decision. And to do that, there might be some areas that you have to work first. Maybe you have a problem that's more related to attracting new customers, or maybe your problem is related to avoiding churn, or maybe your problem is that because you are not invoicing your customers properly. So you have to select a few areas and deliver on those most critical areas first. That's the only way that you're going to be uh, delivering the results. Your tool is going to be the data. So, Eugene, um, if you were to take specific examples from your experience, what uh, mandates and what uh, requests that were made for you to get to deliver certain areas or, or get to basically have you deliver certain results told you that they are looking for you as the right person to do it, but also not only just making requests, but also they show signs that they are paving the way for you to really deliver it versus saying, I want you to deliver the moon but I don't even give you a ladder to get there. Yeah, so I think my case was, you know, uh, one of those cases that, you know, um, um, organizations and me personally making mistakes, uh, um, not all possible mistakes, but uh, all major mistakes, you know, possible, okay? Um, When I came within very short time, um, our CIO uh, was leaving the job. Okay, so for many people there was huge confusion. So some people assumed that I'm gonna take that role. So <clears throat> that didn't help. I can tell you that for sure. So uh, thanks God, within a year after I came, we uh, been hiring CIO and CTO. It was a strong team. That was very. Um, it was great to have that. You know, confusion cleared. But <clears throat> let me step back for, you know, um, one minute and tell that what I would agree with Maria with regard to agents of change. Uh, and that's uh, obviously the case. Um, and, and then um, all what he said, I would second it. Now, as to specifics, uh, there are some words which uh, or processes or approaches of the enterprise which are positive and should help you to navigate this is the right place or not. So um, from my experience, experience of other people, I talked before uh, our um, uh, talk show, uh, some of the keywords would be lean, okay, continuous performance improvement. Those are things that, you know, basically uh, on positive side would indicate that this organization 
is uh, um, is trying to improve itself. Okay. At the same time, you know, those are kind of incremental changes, and CDO as 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 position of change is bringing a, a lot of um, you know uh, hard feelings, right? So, and it's all about people. You need to understand your key uh, stakeholders. So, for example, from my experience, you know, our, uh, you know, Uber customer, of course, not, you know, our organizational uh, people, but, you know, our patients and families. And that actually helps to understand who are customers of your enterprise. By doing that, you can reverse engineer where, you know, your uh, trajectory should go. And the first days, uh, that's, you know, um, I, I'm not sure it's, it's hard to give specific example for all these different industries. Um, a little bit. For example, in financial, CDO position is most established for over 20 years, starting from Capital One. So, I mean, it's, it's industry specific, but you need to understand if people are willing to make changes. That's the key, and that's about more about human potential than rather than specific technologies uh, in your enterprise. So, uh, Mario, if I were to give you an organization, say, let's take uh, retail, and they also are very dependent on data, and you were to go into a retail environment, just taking as, as a case study or a role play, if you will, and we say we want to have a CDO come in and want to have that person work for the first six months to do a certain set of things or deliver a few results. What would be your plan of attack? You can take that, or if you have any other vertical in mind, use that uh, other one if you feel more comfortable. But bottom line is, what are your um, logical set of steps in a playbook that you would recommend to a CTO? for the first few months so that it looks like the person is getting an idea of what that what should be done and they are actually logically implementing it okay great question and i love the retail environment first of all when if you're a, a retailer you tend to have lower margins on your business it's a very uh, competitive environment it's a dog it dog uh, marketplace so uh, i i would first try to understand uh, what is happening with the business at this point in a sense that the numbers how what's happening with the profits throughout the years is it going uh, down or is increasing i would try to understand if there is a loyalty card program in place that we really can understand the granularity of all the purchases that your customers are doing and we try to see if those purchases what we call the, ma the uh, basket market analysis, in a sense, what kind of products each kind of customers are, are, are buying, in a sense, what kind of customers your female uh, customers are, uh, what kind of products your female customers are buying, your male customers are buying, what geography uh, 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 tends to have the largest revenue, and work together with uh, the financial people, with the salespeople, with the marketing people, Try to really narrow down, try to go into the data and help them to make those decisions. In case of retailers, you have so much information that you acquire from your point of sale devices, that information that you can acquire from data sources and companies that provide data, 
like Nielsen and, and other reports, and you can get data from companies like uh, Equifax, like Axiom or Experian, and you can combine those data with your data that you can generate insights for the business. And with that, you try to solve those problems that in a sense we are trying to do what you're trying to do you're trying to bring new customers maybe you want to explore data from social media to say what people are saying about your product or maybe you want to do an analysis of your shelves to see if you change something on the positions on some stores you might enhance some sales of that specific products what we call a b testing and if you have an online environment that you do sales as well on your e-commerce site, you might want to compare what is happening in there, comparing to a physical store, to see things that you can move from one place to another, strategies that are working well in one channel that you can replicate to the other. On the other hand, things that are not going so well that you want to rechange. So in a sense, you got to look at the data. That you have. You got to look so, at data that you have from outside. So uh, let's take a quick break. But when we come back, uh, Mario, I'd like to further expand on this because what you just shared is more of a strategy or a plan of attack. We are talking about specific steps because I'm sure the kind of things that you mentioned, that's not going to happen in a few months. But you have to set the stage and you're coming new into an organization. So you've got to build your team. You've got to get together with other people. And now that you have uh, laid out, say, a roadmap based on what your last response is, how would you go about executing it? Because, of course, you know, putting a strategy is not simple, of course, but that is just paper. That's just just talk. And people say, show me the results, show me the money. So what would you do in the first few months so that they start seeing that whatever you mentioned initially is actually going to come to fruition? Please stay tuned. We'll be right back. HPE is proud to sponsor this program. Tap into our expertise, innovation, and services to bring your most important workloads to the cloud. Take a look around. Is anyone in your office listening to music on a boombox? Probably not. Because you stream radio through the cloud like a normal, well-adjusted person living in the 21st century. Know what else you can get through the cloud? Your business phone system. Yeah, switch to cloud-based Ring Central. Run your entire business phone system online. And use it with your smartphone and tablet for as little as $19.99 a month per user. And then you can put that old PBX in the junk pile next to the boombox. Ring Central. Phone systems reimagined. Sign up for a free trial at ringcentral.com. The U.S. and Canada represent just 5% of the global population, but collectively we consume about 35% of the world's resources. Supply is not keeping up with demand, so change is not an option, it's imperative. Siemens brings knowledge to power through modernization, responsible energy consumption, and greening the grid projects. Siemens Smart Grid has the answers. Just Google Lead the Charge Portal. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Here's Sunjog All. 
Welcome back. So, Mario, you laid out the strategy. Now, let, this is action time. So, give us a few logical steps in the first few months, which you will start taking to make this a reality. Okay. They will not give you millions of dollars at your first month. They will probably give just a few amount of money for you to, to prove why you're there. So, I will attack one of the problems critical problem that I can solve with the amount of money that uh, was given to me. And I'll use something that Eugene mentioned before, lean. I'll try to use what I call, uh, it works well for me, what I say, it's skies and bleeds. That in a very short period of time, you identify a problem, you lay out the actions that you want to do, and you execute on that. And a skies and bleeds uh, program, it lasts for just weeks. And you should be deliver results on that. In on a retail environment, it's very, very easy to do that, to, uh, to select a problem, use the data, use the great uh, uh, people that you have to deliver those insights that you can uh, pursue business results. Eugene, do you want to comment on that? So um, that, that's a great point. You know, um, I, I think um, – we are uh, so much on the same page, it's, it's maybe not so interesting for uh, listeners. But uh, I would add a couple points here. Again, this is strategy position, so you need to learn what strategy of your enterprise is, okay? What are specific uh, uh, points they need to achieve within a certain period of time. Then reverse engineer it using priorities um, of the enterprise and implement it. Make it simple, concise. Uh, so, for example, in our case, um, we are in healthcare, so we are trying to improve care of our patients, okay? So, basically, you know, uh, low-hanging fruit along those lines, uh, you know, one of the low-hanging fruit for us was modeling of number of beds we need to build, okay, to improve care, to bring more patients, okay? Uh, then another low-hanging fruit could be if you work with your key stakeholders, and come up with something which is extremely important for them um, to be, you know, uh, done differently because you have expertise they uh, don't have. And it's, it's about, you know, very specific low-hanging fruit. So put your expectations uh, appropriately and try to message it appropriately as well. So you need to be very simple, concise, do uh, work on low-hanging fruit and, you know, along priorities of your enterprise. I think that's kind of, you know, uh, you know important one. In, in, in healthcare, it's a little bit different from, um, uh, say, retailer, right? If we're talking about data um, attributes, so we talk about, I don't know, uh, if it's appropriate to talk right now about, like, you know, we and other people call it five Vs of big data. So it's, it's not about volume and, and velocity. It's more about variety and uh, veracity. And we all, of course, under, uh, after value. But in our case, it's much more diverse and complex data uh, types and uh, uncertainty of data and trust in each and every data set is slim to zero. So, you know, this specifics for healthcare. So you need to, to not to get yourself into a trap of, of those issues. So I think, um, again, low-hanging fruit, very specific pain points of your enterprise, just, um, you know, what is doable without basically anything on lean budget, on lean, uh, you know, number of people, um, what is doable as, as, um, as soon as possible. And that's 
going to be obvious when you talk to your key stakeholders. It's going to be obvious what you need to do. So, Eugene, uh, when you mention this and you say you come in there and you take the quick wins, one of the important things is that you yourself as a lone warrior cannot make this happen. When you're coming into an organization and, yes, they invited you as a leader, I'm sure you have to take a second look at what resources do you have, which could mean people, which could mean also the process maturity and, of course, the technology that may be available. Before you can commit to anything, in the first few months, you cannot produce miracles with just what you have till the time you've actually looked at it and say, can we make any uh, make any sense of what we have today, or can we create any value? So if you were to say, first take the people side, do you think typically when a CDU is entering an organization today, they are handed over a great set of uh, Hercules-level uh, warriors who will be going and doing anything at your command, or you have to uh, clean up the shop and or have to make major changes before you can commit to anything getting done? So I think it's, you know, it's neither, but it's closer to letter one. I think in, you know, in many uh, enterprises, uh, people are ready for this kind of change theoretically, but on practical terms, they are not because they don't know how to do it, okay? Otherwise, they would be done it by now, okay? So what you basically need to do, you need to find your uh, local champions, okay? In our case, uh, you know, in, in case of healthcare, for example, uh, of course, physicians are very important. So physician champions are extremely important. You know, I was lucky to find, uh, you know, medical director and, and uh, um, uh, chief um, pediatrician as, as our local champions. They are very data-centric people, as well as my two visionaries who, you know, president of re- research and, and global CEO, who decided to, to make this major, you know, uh, leap of faith and start this position first in the entire industry, not in this country, but just, you know, worldwide. So I think importance uh, to find local champions is couldn't be overstated, okay? And then those people are much more familiar with, you know, uh, what's happening in this enterprise. You know, they've been around, so they've been respected. And you need to find those local champions in order to uh, get your work done. Because you're absolutely right, you know, rarely you come to the place which is well-run institution and simply want to step it up to uh, along those lines. Usually um, data analytics and those issues are uh, not really well-developed, usually. So when it comes to the the finances, you mentioned that you will be given, in fact, I remember Mario's comment that initially they'll not give you a lot of money, and perhaps that is because there is not enough trust developed, or maybe the initiatives are not well-defined. So what is your approach to building the business case for those first few projects based on which you get just about enough money, just saying that because I'm new, give me whatever you have and I'll try to prove you something. This is almost like in a, uh, you're not at the best end of the bargain here. Eugene? Yes, I, I think you're absolutely right. Uh, I mean, uh, except maybe um, um, data-driven organizations, which do exist, but uh, still in uh, a very much minority, except for those organizations, uh, people are um, kind of skeptical, you know, maybe sometimes resistant. Uh, basically, somebody who knows about uh, data or analytics uh, going to come and what? tell me how to do my uh, uh, work better. That kind of attitude, uh, you know, is important too. And, uh, you know, uh, that's, uh, it's hard to change. Again, that's, it's not going to be done within a few months. I would say within a few months, um, how to put it, um, um, maybe on joke side, you know, just try to survive, okay? 
uh, I think what you need to do is basically take on very uh, low-hanging fruits, okay, and, and uh, execute, implement, and deliver. And by doing that, you're going to get a little bit more trust. Then, you know, it's iterative process, right? You're going to get a more uh, serious uh, tasks, right? And then you get on them and try to improve your situation with, you know, um, expertise-wise, you know, support-wise, process-wise, and then you get to much more serious tasks and doing in iterations because I think this is actually key uh, um, lessons we learned in, in, based on our experience and, and people I talk to. Um, so basically, you know, you have your production happening and then you do, you know, introduce this change, okay, and do it in, you know, small steps. First, baby steps, and then a little bit longer steps. Maybe you then at some point start to run, uh, run right? So, but that's doing it, it, it iteratively, okay? So, Mario, what type of business cases that you have seen traditionally getting you just the right amount, not more, not less, of, of mm-hmm. dollars and cents and also the other resources that you want in order for you to actually deliver initial successes? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I can share you my experience and from talking to other CDOs and other uh, people working with data, they seem to follow the same path that I'm describing here. So, map the issues that we'll find. So you, you have to talk to the executives, the leaders from marketing, sales, finance, to see what the pain points that, that they have. And having those pain points, you have to narrow down which ones you're going to work first. And maybe it's not your decision. Maybe you have to put everyone together in one room to decide what's going to be best for the company for you to approach first. And then you have to do what is called the, the, the business plan or the return on investment equation. You're going to apply a certain amount of dollars, but you're going to bring that result. And that result will mean that you help the business to bring more money or you help uh, to solve an issue here that's dragging your profitability or you help some areas here to improve their operations. And by improve their operations, then they can... Uh, have less people to do that work or they can do more with the same amount of people and resources available. So uh, at the end of the day, is a matter of the equation that you will find something that you have a clear understanding of your r- r- uh, return on investment and you deliver on that. And the business of the market today is that everything became a commodity, like you can have the best technology available, you can have uh, uh, the best uh, databases, the best methodologies available. The critical point at this, at this point that we are passing through, Sanjuk, is people. We are on a shortage of good people, people who really can deliver, people with data and analytics skills are not that easy to find uh, today. So I can jump in if that's okay. Yes, please, go ahead. Uh, I would agree this is about people. And um, it looks like we're not answering specific question, <laughs> right, of uh, um, our host. But um, it, it, it is really about people, people with this exceptional expertise, which are in very short demand, but also people in, you know, enterprise. They used to do things the way they're doing it right now. So it's it, it really uh, difficult to do this differently. And then, uh, of course, you're going to have people like in our place, as a joke, they call us data doctors, okay, if they like us, or data, data geeks or nerds if they don't, okay? So you need to have 
that very, um, you know, reasonable approach, how to deal with different types of, you know, stakeholders. And, you know, you better uh, have some kind of alignment within your organization, um, uh, not only on the top level, but also on level of, you know, people who can implement your recommendations. So I think the much clearer approach, much simpler, uh, more concise and priorities, you know, I think this is killer. You need to, to make sure that this is doable and, and in, in specific order. Uh, and then, you know, the rest would be, I would say, you're going to see consequences of that because at some point, you know, maybe it's going to take months, it's going to take years, it depends. You know, at some point you would be slammed with requests and, you know, people coming to you. This is the ideal position to be. And that's not going to happen within a few months unless, uh, you know, enterprise in very dire state, which I'm not sure that's the best place to join. Let's take a quick break, listeners. When we come back, Eugene, I'd like to ask you a follow-on question, uh, which is, um, you spoke about people is very, like, you know, handling people is very important. So what is, what kind of organizational structure, what uh, organizational mission and vision and other principles and values that you feel would be appropriate for a CDO to establish so that the people who they may inherit from within the organization who you may have to end up working with just because somebody gave them to you or the ones that you hire or the ones that you groom, all of them come on the same level and so that when you are under the gun to deliver some quick wins initially and then bigger wins later on, these people are all on board and you have a predictable uh, success versus trying to flip a coin and see what works. So please stay tuned. We'll be right back and explore. The U.S. and Canada represent just 5% of the global population, but collectively we consume about 35% of the world's resources. Supply is not keeping up with demand, so change is not an option, it's imperative. Siemens brings knowledge to power through modernization, responsible energy consumption, and greening the grid projects. Siemens Smart Grid has the answers. Just Google Lead the Charge Portal. Take a look around. Is anyone in your office listening to music on a boombox? <laughs> Probably not. Because you stream radio through the cloud like a normal, well-adjusted person living in the 21st century. Know what else you can get through the cloud? Your business phone system. Yeah, switch to cloud-based Ring Central. Run your entire business phone system online. And use it with your smartphone and tablet for as little as $19.99 a month per user. And then you can put that old PBX in the junk pile next to the boombox. Ring Central. Phone systems reimagined. Sign up for a free trial at ringcentral.com. HP is proud to sponsor this program. Tap into our expertise, innovation, and services to bring your most important workloads to the cloud. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Here's Sun Joke All. Welcome back. So, uh, Eugene, the question is around people. What kind of uh, organizational structure and strategy and processes, values, mission, vision that you would want to establish as a CDO coming in? so that you attract the right people, retain the best people, and basically manage automatically the people who 
those people out who are not strategically fitting in that whole equation? Sanjok, that's a fantastic question. It's really tough to answer. I try to be concise. So I think the key point of a CDO position um, is it to bring you know, decision from opinion-based angle to informed decisions, data-driven decisions, okay? So then you need to, um, to have you know, people on your team uh, who are able to deliver those kind of informed decisions. So which basically goes like this. You, you analyze the problem. Um, you talk to key stakeholders. You try to you know, make it as um, structural as possible, this analysis. Okay? Um, you know, in our experience, um, expertise in uh, you know, specific area is extremely important. But listening to each and everybody's point of view is it, it, hard to, to, to basically to justify. So because there are a lot of myths, a lot of, you know, uh, traditions which are um, not ideal, not optimized. So what you basically do, you need to talk to key stakeholders, understand the problem. You know, you need to bring your um, insights uh, to something actionable, which is extremely difficult. You need to go from insights translate them into actionable items. So, um, so I basically, as a joke put in my presentations, you know, last couple of my presentations, IT and AI. And by IT and AI, I mean, uh, you know, insights, translation, into, translated into uh, actionable items, not IT and uh, artificial intelligence. So it's, it's about um, uh, people who are able to analyze the problem, other type of people who are able to translate it, you need to be very simple, concise, and, you know, put priorities in front of people who are extremely busy doing their jobs. So any change is, you know, of course can bring added value. That's obvious only with that in mind. But you need to make it easier on them, okay? So you basically going to be um, many times uh, working a, a contrary to their assumption and their perceptions which is very difficult. So to change ultimate decisions and to, to make it better for your customer, in our case it's patients, right, uh, and to enterprise, you need to be very careful in this translational you know, angle. So you need to have not only uh, data geeks, I'm sorry, but also people who made this translational possible, who can present it uh, uh, easier, who can make it uh, concise. Message is important. Communication is extremely important as well. You need to be as soft on people as you can possibly be. Now, when you talk about that, Mario, I have an interesting question here about the emotional intelligence, because you did mention about resilience that a CDO must have, but it also it requires some sort of emotional intelligence so that they are able to manage different situations, but equally uh, important is building the right relationships and nurturing them so that uh, you are able to get the job done. You're almost a politician, right? You got to you got to really go ahead and make the right uh, build and nurture right relationships. So which which ones are those the relationships that you have to focus on and nurture the most? Mm -hmm. Excellent point. And probably because of my Latin uh, heritage, uh, I love to build uh, good working relationships. I always love to go to lunch with other executives to talk to them to understand their problems to share some thoughts and to ask for advice. And when I joined uh, Boa Vista, my, my team was very demotivated because we had a lot of pressure from our salespeople and our products people 
and they were bashing us every day and every hour. They were seeing us on the hall. They were bashing us because they said, oh, we, we cannot achieve our numbers because our data quality is terrible. We're losing money because of you data people. So I got in a very demotivated organization. So what I did to, to, to overcome that barrier and uh, use my re resilience skills was to first understand what exactly what were the problems. Why do you think that we had uh, data problems? And by doing a lot of benchmarking and a lot of uh, uh, data analytics from, uh, and understanding why we're uh, having problems, the perception of the, the data, the problems that we had, which turned to be not the reality at the end of the day. And by working quite well with the, the, our users and our uh, uh, customers and customers, we're able to achieve that. And from this very demotivated organization, uh, people that were not uh, uh, happy to do their work and they're thinking about leaving, I was able to create a very top-notch organization, very well-recognized. And uh, because of that and because we proved to the, uh, our people that we're able to deliver, then we're able to build and solidify those relationships in, in, inside the company. Okay, I have one last question and only 30 seconds each max. Start with you, Eugene. Since you are coming in as a data person and a data leader, you got an information officer who, while you would not want to see you yourself reporting to, but you will have to work with. So if, if you had to build that relationship, what kind of relationship would you like to see uh, be between CIOs and the CDOs for it to be successful? 30 seconds each max. You need to be partners, and you have to be partners. Otherwise, you know, it's going to be not good for enterprise and ultimately for your customers. So partnership is key. All right. Uh, Mario? Partnership, and you have to bear in mind that you're part of a larger picture. So the, the team from IT, they have their own uh, goals to achieve. You have to help them as well. Together, Working with IT will serve uh, the, the business needs. So partnership is key and understand that you are a service provider to someone else. On behalf of the show and our really, uh, listeners, I'd really like to thank you, Eugene and Mario, for sharing your thoughts on how uh, a CDO or chief data officer can actually come into an organization and make uh, a predictable and, and uh, a good, sizable, significant difference in the way they handle data and correspondingly get value out of it. Thank you, Sandrok. Thank you very much for inviting. Thank you, Maria. Thanks. Appreciate it. Talk to you guys. And uh, listeners, please like us on Facebook, search for CIO Talk Radio, and please be sure to follow us on Twitter. Thank you again for listening to CIO Talk Radio. This is Sanjog All, your talk show host. Till next week, take care and God bless. Thank you for tuning in to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. Please join Sun Joke All next Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 9 a.m. Central Time, and 10 a.m. Eastern Time for another hour of CIO Talk Radio on the Voice America Business Channel. CIO Talk Radio is brought to you by HP and Siemens Smart Grid.